Thanks for joining us on the Oasis Church Podcast. To find out more about Oasis, visit CelebrateTheJourney.org. During this episode, Pastor Dennis Ritchie shares a great message that will lead you to new and deeper levels with Jesus Christ. So open up a Bible, grab a notebook, or simply listen along. Stuff. Things. Toys. They all have been a primary focus within our Western society. And basically it's because we have this thing in the United States called disposable income. Which means that we have this money where we can go buy stuff. Things. Better stuff. Improved stuff. We can fill our proverbial toy box with things. The gathering of stuff is really a a cultural focus during this time of year, uh, during Christmas. Like I said uh, last week, that one of the big stories in, in the news cycle is whether, and it's probably started in Thanksgiving, whether or not retail stores were going to um, do well or pull through during the holiday during the holiday season. Um, in fact, one of the measurements of a healthy economy, one of them, is this thing called consumer spending. So uh, the logic is, if we the people are out there buying stuff, spending our our disposable income. Um, then the economy um, may be moving in the right direction. If consumer spending is down, then that could be a red flag for something that's not quite taking place that should be taking place within our economy. Stuff, things, possessions, toys. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I need to make sure that we all understand that it is not a sin to get things, to get stuff. It is not a sin to purchase something that you want and maybe necessarily do not need. I mean, most of us want something, you know, the the new phone, the new jacket, that new putter or driver, uh, whatever, you can fill in the blank that I would like one of these. It's not sinful to save so you can purchase a thing or a stuff. But there is this, this tension, I believe, that, that uh, especially we in the church, we, we, we fight with a little bit. Um, because, well, we know what the scripture says about materialism. This idea of just wanting more and more and more. Um, we know that the, the accumulation of stuff should not be the focus of our lives. That there is more to life than just our things. But sometimes this, this tug of war between more and more and more and not getting anything... Uh, people can lose it, and they, and they just kind of go off on this getting and getting and getting and getting. And it could have, uh, it could have 
negative consequences on, on, in somebody's life. Uh, overspending, um, not spending correctly, uh, not saving. Saving is not a sin. Um, and, and, and so there, there is a danger. I believe even within the church, the three verses that we are going to look at today, Jesus is just going to kind of lay out for us a very simple philosophy of um, how we should treat things, what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. And then at the end, in, in the last verse, he gives us little nugget of, oh, that I think we could take with us through each and every day of our lives. So what I want to do is I want to read through uh, just the three verses, and then we'll go back and unpack it. Uh, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So Jesus gives us the negative command. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth, moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in. He begins with a statement that would be very relevant to the people that he is speaking to, obviously, or Jesus would not say that. Uh, what he's kind of trying to communicate to us that a person cannot accumulate all kinds of wealth, all kinds of things, uh, fill up their toy box, and just believe or um, put their trust in that everything, they don't have to worry about it. It's all going to be safe and sound. Nothing is going to touch my stuff. Which is not the case. Jesus starts out with, you know, your stuff can come under attack by a moth. Not mothra, but a moth. Thank you. And what do, what do moths, I mean, what do moths attack as far as our stuff? Clothes. Our clothes. What you might not have known, that garments, clothes, the, the, the things that you wore every day were part of a at least in the first century in Jesus' day, were part of your wealth portfolio. If you had nice clothes, that was considered, you were considered wealthy. In Joshua chapter 7, we hear of this guy called Achan. And uh, God tells Israel, you're going to go and you're going to thump these people. Don't take anything. But Achan, he is, he is uh, tempted by this beautiful Babylonian cloak. And he takes it and he buries it in his tent to very destructive uh, consequences because, um, well, he got dead because of his disobedience. The point that I believe Jesus is trying to get to is whether you purchase from Gucci or whether you purchase from Walmart, our clothes are going to end up in the same place, the trash heap, the landfill. Moths will even eat our things. And then he goes to the idea of uh, this vermin now, some of you might have the word rust, where moth and rust or moth and vermin. The, the word vermin and or rust, it has to do with kind of eating or consuming. In the context of like, you know, if you leave uh, food out too long and then the bugs get in it and the worms get in it and they start eating the food. That's kind of what it, what it means. And he's, and he's using that in the context of, uh, you know, of our, our food. What he's saying is it doesn't matter how much food you have stored up, whether your silo is filled with grain or you just have a little. It really doesn't matter because it's all going to end up in the same place. That even, um, even worms and bugs can get a hold of the things that we treasure as simple as our food. 
Do not store up for yourselves treasure here on earth. When he's talking about thieves breaking in, well, there were no safety deposit boxes in the first century. There were no banks, vaults. Um, in fact, there weren't even really good locks on your door. And so if you had wealth that went beyond your daily expenses, what you would do is that you would take that wealth and you would bury it in your house, maybe under the table, to keep it safe. But unfortunately, since your house was made of, um, in the genre of uh, mud, clay, sticks, some stones, things like that, um, thieves could actually dig a hole through the wall of your house, get in and steal your stuff. Jesus is warning that when our life focus is on things, on the things that we can get, on the things that we could achieve. If that's our focus, our lives are going to be lived a, a little bit precariously, a little bit stressful, and filled with worry. Jesus is not talking about uh, some type of legalism here. He's not condemning treasure or wealth in and of itself. He's not condemning your savings account or your investment accounts. In fact, in uh, Proverbs chapter 6, consider the ant, you sluggard, it says. Ants work. Ants save. Ants make sure that they could eat in the future. In chapter uh, 4 of uh, 1 Timothy, Paul tells him, don't despise the good things of life because they're from God. And so we have to make sure that we understand that Jesus isn't condemning um, things, stuff in general. What he's looking at is what controls your life. Where is your heart? Because that's what it comes down to. Jesus is always interested in your heart. What's going on in your heart? Are we living into a selfishness that, that I want, I want, and I'm going to strive to get, not only because I want it, but, you know, I deserve it. I deserve better. I deserve the new thing. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus addresses this. He says, beyond your guard against all kinds of greed, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. There is more to life than the abundance of the things that we can get. And yeah, it's, it's a warning to rich, the rich people uh, who can buy anything and everything they want. Uh, but it's not just a warning for the wealthy because Jesus doesn't say, do not store up for yourselves money. He, he talks, he uses the word uh, treasure. So it goes beyond just cash money. Anything in this world that you uh, that you consider valuable could be in the category that Jesus is talking about, treasure. Anything in this world that removes God from the number one priority in life has treasure, is treasure, puts in the wrong place. If your focus is on what you can get, what you want, 
all the time. If you work towards because you want this, you have to get that. That is your focus. Then I would argue that you have lost your way. There is more to life than just stuff. This first command, this negative command that Jesus uses really is wrapped up in this idea of narcissism. It's all about me. It's all about me. And I believe that Jesus is letting us know that stuff isn't all that important because, well, we can't take it with us when we go. Once death has taken over this body, it puts us all in the same socioeconomic class. Broke. You got nothing. There was a, a, um, an old wealthy guy who he was trying to figure out how he can take his money with him. And so he calls his doctor, he calls his pastor, and he calls his lawyer to his deathbed. And he says, gentlemen, I am trying to figure out how I can take my wealth with me. And he said, the last thing I want to try is this. I'm going to give each of you an envelope with $30,000 cash. What I would like you to do is take this cash, this envelope, and as they're lowering me into the grave, I'd like you to throw that envelope in and see if... That's going to work. I get to take it with me. And so there they are at the funeral or at the graveside. And each one of them go up and they throw that envelope in and they walk away. Now, it just so happens by coincidence that they all got to ride in the same car on the way back to the reception. And the, the minister, he's feeling quite guilty and he has to confess. And he tells the other two, I didn't throw in all the money. He said, I, we're, we're, we're doing this mission outreach and I needed $10,000. So I took the $10,000 and I just threw in $20,000. And that convicted the doctor who said, I, I'm trying to build a, uh, a medical clinic. And so I took $20,000. And all I did was throw in ten. And the pastor, he just shakes his head. I'm sorry, the lawyer just shakes his head. And he says, gentlemen, I am so disappointed in you. At least I wrote out a check for 30000 and threw that in. <laughs> Come on, that's funny right there. Especially the way I, I... Never mind. Fact is, you cannot take it with you. None of this comes with us when we go. Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will depart. And so Jesus gives us this command. Don't store for, for yourselves these things. And then he goes and he gives us the positive side. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is not saying that we can earn our way into heaven. He's not talking about earning our salvation. But there is this um, idea, or there is this truth in scripture that says that we will be rewarded for the things that we did here in, in eternity. Paul, Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians as he, as he talks to the church. Oop, my bad. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is, is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If 
what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. And you know what that reward is? Jesus. I have no idea. The scripture is kind of quiet on what um, specifically is the reward, but I will guarantee you that the rewards of heaven are much, much valuable than anything we could be rewarded here and now. Our treasure that we store up in heaven, nothing gets a hold of it. Nothing can destroy it. Nobody can steal it from us. Moths can't eat it. Vermin can't destroy it. Thieves will not, uh, will not steal it. And so I, I think this, as I was kind of writing and preparing for today, I just I, I was convicted with these uh, these questions that I was asking myself about about my own life. You know, um, if, if I think about like five hundred years from now, in five hundred years, how important will it be for the kind of house that I live in now? How important is the kind of car that I drive in five hundred years? How important is anything of stuff? How important is my stuff going to How important will my Harley Davidson be in 500 years? Well, that might be the exception to the rule, probably very important. But these are questions that I believe that we can begin to ask ourselves in this context because we are all at risk of desiring stuff over God because it's kind of just a cultural thing. Are we making the correct investments in our life? Are they, just, um, are they just worldly or are they eternal investments in our life? Paul, Paul tells us how we should be living. Oh, I put it up there. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything good for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So you want to be rich? Do good. Be generous. Those are the things that store up wealth for us. Remember, Jesus is always getting to the condition of our heart. What's in here? We can fake it only for so long. The heart issue will present itself in public eventually. So Jesus says, don't do this. And then he tells us, this is what you should do. And then he just lays this nugget at our feet. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Should make a t-shirt and a coffee cup out of that. I think to fully take in what Jesus is trying to get at here is to understand the, the, the word heart. Heart is not just like my emotions or, um, you know, the physical thing that's pumping blood right now. Um, for Jesus and his hearers, it's used to describe everything that's about you, everything that's interior about you, who you are, character, integrity, um, just, just everything that you are is considered your heart. And so um, 
where we store our, or what we, what we treasure is all about really who we are on the inside, the important parts. And the words of Jesus, this, this little statement right here is this amazing mirror or lens that we could look at our lives through. What do I treasure? I, I really kind of wrestled with this, and I didn't put pen to paper in for this um, sermon until uh, Friday I worked on it after Christmas, you know, after the gifts and all that. Um, and, and I really, I really took, started to take kind of stock and ask myself some questions. And these are the questions I came up with, and I thought I would just share them with you. Um, you know, what is it that I'm thinking about when I have nothing else to do? Or what is it that I daydream about? Is it about stuff and things, or is it about kingdom-minded things? Am I worried about those who don't know Jesus? What is it that worries me the most? Is it all about finances and, and worldly possessions? Or is it about eternal affairs? Apart from the people that I love, what or who would I dread losing in life? This one really kind of struck me, and I can't take credit for this question because I just read it from someone else. What are the things that I measure others by? And the reason I think that's important, the reason I believe it's important is because we judge or measure other people by what we believe is important. By what I treasure, I will judge someone else. I might judge somebody on the number of tattoos they have because I obviously, <laughs> somewhat treasure a tattoo. Some of you won't even think of judging somebody or measuring up somebody by the tattoos that they have. And so uh, we measure people by the clothes they wear, by the car they drive, by the school they went to, by the work that they do, um, by the checking account that they have. Whatever we treasure, we kind of use that as a lens to judge others. And then, I, and then the last question I... I thought of is, what is it in this world, in this life, that I can't live without? If it's things, I've lost my way. And we can fool ourselves and we can say, well, Jesus! But is that the truth? And so by looking at ourselves through this lens, um, we can begin to see ourselves for who we really are or where we should be. And if we're not there, like I failed in a couple of these questions, I'll admit it. But here's the other side of that equation. It's the grace of God. God gives us his grace. He gives us his forgiveness. And he gives us the Holy Spirit that if we submit to that, he will change our affections from the things of this world to the things of God. That's his grace to us. Where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be. In Hebrews chapter 11, um, when they get to talking about Moses, the writer really lays out some um, incredible heart conditions for Moses. Moses. 
It says that he chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. And the sin that the writer is talking about is all of the wealth and the authority of Egypt. It describes him as disregarding, uh, I'm sorry, uh, that he received disgrace or he decided to take disgrace uh, for the sake of Christ and he considered that disgrace a greater value than all of the riches of Egypt. And it says he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Moses had his priorities right. It doesn't mean he was perfect. It doesn't mean he had it all together all of the time. In fact, he made a couple bonehead plays. There was one that he made, one that he disobeyed God, and it, didn't, it, it, uh, it canceled him from going into the promised land. Moses wasn't perfect by any far stretch of the imagination, but he had his priorities. All of the wealth of Egypt, he walked away from for the sake of following God. When we begin to move in that same way, we can come, I believe that we come to the truth of everything that we have isn't ours anyway, isn't our own. We are stewards of the blessings that God has given us. And so our money, our intellect, our education, our home, whatever it is, they should be used for kingdom purposes, for the bring glory to God. That doesn't mean we don't enjoy them. That doesn't mean that we can't have fun, but we do so with the, uh, with the focus of, I want to bring glory to God. When you enjoy the good gifts that God has given you, that in and of itself brings glory to God. When you acknowledge that he has given me these good gifts, you bring glory to God. That's what our stuff should do. And those who don't walk with Christ, they, um, they, they tend to imagine that their stuff is their stuff because not only did they earn it, but they deserve it. But for the Christian, our... Our reality should be based in the truth of it's not our stuff. It's God's stuff. And we can't take it with us when we go. All we are is a, is a custodian of the things that God has given us here. We should always, not from a place of fear or shame, but we should always be checking our hearts to see where it is in the context of what the world just kind of throws at us 24-7. I'm not saying we should be living lives of cancellation or, or living a life like is some type of in, in a martyred self-denial, like, oh, look at me, I have holes in the bottom of my shoes. Or, really, you can go to the shoe depot and buy a pair for 10 bucks. I believe that we are biblically mandated to enjoy our life in the same context, we don't hold tightly to the things that we have. We go through life with, with an open hand. Dr. Lloyd-Jones, he would say it this way. Great book, by the way, Studies on the Sermon on the Mount. 
And he would say it this way. Therefore, regarding myself as one who has this great privilege of being a caretaker for God, a custodian and a steward, I do not cling to these things. They do not become the center of my life and existence. I do not live for them or dwell upon them constantly in my mind. They do not absorb my life. On the contrary, I hold them loosely. I am in a state of blessed detachment from them. I am not governed by them. Rather, do I govern them. And as I do this, I am steadily securing and safely laying up for myself treasures in heaven. Father, thank you for this truth, the truth of grace the truth of your son, the encouragement that we have to live a life that is countercultural. I pray that you would empower us, that we would, uh, we would stick out, but in a way that loves, encourages, and, bring, and brings grace to people's lives. I pray, Father, that you would give us the, the discernment on how to use our stuff for your kingdom. Lord, I pray against guilt. I pray against shame. May they never be confused with Holy Spirit conviction. May we uh, may we revel in conviction because we know that it brings us closer to you. And so thank you, Lord. Thank you for all of the stuff that we have. We are truly blessed. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I won't see you all till next year. <laughs> Been using that joke for 55 years. Uh, maybe not 50. Um, have a great New Year's. Please be safe. And uh, I love you guys. And we'll see you next week.